Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Well, it's the morning after. The people have spoken. We've had our great democratic exercise. Uh, candidates won, candidates lost. Now it's time to turn to you individually. I'm uh, curious, why did you vote the way you did, if you'd like to reveal that? What issue drove you to the polls, and are you focused on that going forward? Um, have the results from last night left you feeling more or less engaged in the process, more or less hopeful about uh, your personal situation? And if you ran for office or worked for a candidate during this election cycle, we'd love to have you tell us about that. And did that leave you feeling more or less hopeful about the system? We're going to throw out those questions to you. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. In the first half of the program, we uh, bring in USU Assistant Professor of Political Science, Damon Can in studio with us. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for having me. On the telephone, uh, I believe we have Salt Lake Tribune reporter Robert Gerke. Uh, Mr. Gerke, welcome uh, to the program. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. And uh, BYU uh, Professor Quinn Monson. I don't know if we have a Professor Monson on. I believe I'm here. Okay, there you are. Okay. Uh, so we're going to throw out some of these questions to you gentlemen as well. Um, and uh, let me start with uh, Robert Gerke. Uh, y- you uh, reported on the uh, most hotly contested race of the night in Utah, which was the Jim Matheson-Mia Love race in the 4th Congressional District. Um, it, were you surprised by the result, given the uh, information you had uh, leading up to it? Well, yeah, I think you know the, the polling was obviously a little uh, a little misleading in that one, but I think the you know the conventional wisdom was it was going to be a tight race. Um, you know, there was both sides were pretty confident going in, but um, when those early votes came in and, and Matheson had built a, about a five thousand vote lead, he, he was able to hold on to that for pretty much all of the night, right up until the end. But uh, you know, those those last precincts that came in from Taylorsville, South Salt Lake, and, and those areas uh, managed to put him over the top. So. Uh, you know, he had a lot thrown at him this election by the national parties and by the um, by by the candidate themselves. So um, it was it was a it was a big night for him. It's, he he managed to survive again and live to fight another day, I guess. Well, I'll ask each of you gentlemen uh, to, to to recap that race and uh, tell us why you think Jim Matheson uh, won, uh, swimming against uh, maybe even uh, tougher odds than usual. I want to bring in uh, our first caller, Bettina in Springdale. Uh, Bettina, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Um, I voted for the Green Party, Jill Stern, not surprising being from Zion National Park. <laughs> All right. And uh, mainly because I wanted to vote. Um, I thought whoever won, whether Romney or Obama won, would take notice maybe if there were a lot of votes for the Green Party and showing that that's an important thing. I, You know, I wanted uh, candidates that will make decisions for the next seven generations, not just for this time. And so um, that's why I kind of voted for the Green Party, because my agenda is, you know, vote for the planet. And I think the Sierra Club uh, kind of put that out, that they kind of evaluated a lot of the candidates and where they would stand on uh, issues nationally. And I have a son that... uh, works on the wind farms up in Idaho, and um, so I'm kind of pro that kind of job myself, mm-hmm. supporting that kind of job. So that's my two cents. Okay, interesting. You, you, uh, you're hoping to send a message through that vote, uh, hoping that uh, President Obama, since he's reelected, will notice a, a high, high, high number of votes for the Green Party. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks, Bettina. Okay, bye. Appreciate that. Uh, Bettina called in from Springdale. I'm hoping to get your reaction to the results from last night. I think one reaction we're all having is, uh, boy, we're kind of glad it's it, it's over in, in a way. Um, it's it's a long, long process. But I'd, I'd try to put the finger on the pulse here of, of our listeners. Uh, if you'd like to reveal how you voted for any of the races, love to have you say and, and why. What issue were you focused on, and do you continue to be focused on that issue? Did the whole process leave you... Uh, 
a bit cynical or, or has it made you more hopeful? And, and your personal situation, do you feel better off today because of how things turned out or, or less well off? Did you run for office or work for a candidate? Love to hear your experience. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Let's turn first to uh, back to the uh, 4th Congressional District race uh, to Professor Monson. Love to hear uh, your theory as, as to why Matheson was able to hold on. Sure. Uh, first of all, though, I wanted to I wanted to just go back to what Robert Gerke said and and say that uh, the polling uh, wasn't entirely off uh, in this election. The uh, key research poll that was released a couple of weeks ago had the race dead even, and I think that's where we ended up. I was pretty pleased to see that the poll we cooperated on with key research was uh, uh, pretty accurate. And then our exit polling last night had Matheson ahead, and we, we announced it at 8 p.m. as too close to call, and it tightened up more than we had in our exit poll numbers, but I'm also pleased to say that we we had uh, Matheson uh, on top in that race. I think what happened uh, in terms of Matheson's victory is if you look carefully uh, as we get the uh, numbers in from the counties and the state, and, and this is definitely true in our exit poll, uh, at how people voted in terms of early absentee or election day, uh, Jim Matheson really cleaned up among uh, people that voted early. Uh, and and I think whatever efforts his campaign or the state and county parties made to get people, uh, their people to the polls early to cast their vote for Matheson really paid off in the end uh, because he won by a, a pretty clear margin among early voters. And it was close among absentee, and it was close uh, on Election Day. Uh, but those early voters really pushed him over the top. David Kahn, USU Assistant Professor, uh, w- w- what's your theory? Uh, th- this uh, Matheson, as he always does in Utah, is, is uh, facing sort of an uphill battle. Of course, he runs very conservative. But this year especially, with Mitt Romney at the top of the ticket and a, and a very strongly funded uh, good, good candidate in me love, Sure. Uh, I don't doubt that uh, that Romney actually did probably help Mia Love to do better than she would have done uh, had Romney not been on the ticket. I think that is, uh, was a contributing factor to making this race as close as it was. Uh, but Jim Matheson has been running these kinds of campaigns for, for a very long time. Uh, he's developed a lot of skill uh, in terms of campaigning. He knows how to appeal uh, to moderate Republicans in the state of Utah. And uh, it's it's just remarkable that even with a, a significant shift uh, in who his constituents were, uh, in, in him making the choice to run in the new 4th District here in Utah, uh, that he was still able to pull that off, uh, still able to, ma- uh, to get the messaging right. Uh, but he has a lot of experience doing that, and, and uh, he does a great job of appealing to, to, uh, to Republican voters in Utah. Robert Gerke, in your reporting, um, of course, the, a lot of us focus on the horse race aspect and the money pouring in. Sometimes issues get lost, but as you talk to people, what were the top issues? Well, I think this this race kind of turned into, well, two things, I guess. One was uh, the Love campaign tried to make it a referendum on Romney versus Obama. You know, she a vote for her was a vote for Mitt Romney, and a vote for Jim Matheson was a vote for Barack Obama. Um, Matheson tried to paint her as sort of a, a radical budget cutter who was going to gut programs that Utahns thought were important. Um, and, you know, I, and, and then obviously the TV ads, the, the $10 million that was spent on, on, on the race really drove those points home um, to a point where I think voters were a little fatigued by it. But, um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think at the end of the day, one of the things uh, that, that Quinn kind of touch, touched on, I think, and is, is true there, there was there was a boost for for Mayor Love with uh, with the Romney voting. At the same time, there were about sixteen thousand fewer votes cast for Mitt Romney than there were for George Bush in two thousand four in Salt Lake County. And I think that that margin there uh, it, it wasn't quite as strong as as maybe the Republicans had hoped for, and it, it enabled Matheson and enabled Ma- uh, Ben McAdams in the Salt Lake mayor's race to get enough crossover votes to to actually pull this thing out. I think Robert makes a great point that the Romney to Sami never really came. And I think part of that is because uh, I think the, the, the Utah Mormon voters that had hoped to be part of history 
saw that it wasn't going to happen uh, the weekend before and even the day before. A lot of them realized this isn't going to happen. And I think we we probably saw a lower turnout than we would have had Romney been ahead in all the, the national polls and the, the battleground state polls. I think that would have brought a larger turnout and might have uh, might have changed the outcome in these down ballot races. But it, uh, because the the the, the bubble kind of got popped a few days before, I think that helped to to have a more uh, reasonable turnout and and help save Matheson and help uh, Ben McAdams uh, into into victory. I believe the, uh, the the final percentages were something like seventy two percent of uh, of Utah voters voted for for Romney. I want to ask you, Professor Monson. Um, the mood that you're sensing, um, that uh, is, is this a feeling of letdown, especially among, uh, Mormon voters? Yeah, I think so a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I had a chance to get some national data on, on Mormon voting, uh, in the last few days. And one of the things that really surprised me as I started to look at it is that it, uh, it was less tribal than I thought it was going to be. In other words, uh, I thought that, that, I mean, there are Mormon Democrats. There are more than you think. And I thought Mormon Democrats might cross over and vote for Mitt Romney in uh, this election in greater numbers. And it turns out that it that's not really the case, uh, that, that party trumps uh, the religious identity in this context, and that Mormon Democrats went with, uh, went with President Obama uh, in, in about the proportions that they have for past uh, presidential elections. And I guess, uh, in that sense, the letdown probably isn't as big as as I thought it might be. The letdown isn't too much greater than it is for uh, Republicans when they lose uh, an election generally. We, uh, I, I know, Professor, we only have you in for another couple of minutes, so I'll uh, ask the indulgence of my other two guests here. I wanted to follow up with the... Uh, the inroads or not that the Democratic Party in Utah is trying to make. This is a kind of an eternal story. Uh, It seems like uh, there's some energy in the party uh, these days, but the results seem to be the same. Well, I think holding on to Matheson's seat and and winning the county mayor's race in Salt Lake County is about as good as you could have hoped for uh, from the state Democratic Party. Um, And as long as they continue to... uh, recruit candidates that are uh, reasonable quality, that can reach across the aisle and attract Republican votes, um, and they have a long-term view with a message that invites uh, uh, Latter-day Saints and, uh, and Republicans to, to take a look at their candidates, and that those candidates are a sort of a reasonable, moderate alternative then maybe that message will take hold over time. It's a it's a long term battle, though. Uh, they, what you can't do is nominate an extreme candidate or a or a or a low quality candidate because that uh, destroys the overall message that you're trying to put forward. And then I think there's got to be some effort among right. uh, Democrats to reach out to uh, Utah's Hispanic population. I think that's a really fertile. Uh, ground for them to make up some votes, and uh, if they could get some resources together and make an effort to mobilize and register those voters, uh, they might uh, find some areas in the state where they could make some inroads in terms of a state legislative seat or two or a, or a mayoral election and build a bench of qualified and experienced candidates that can then move up the ballot and run uh, statewide or for these federal offices. Uh, Professor uh, Quinn Monson from Brigham Young University, I know you have to get going here, so we appreciate you taking some time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, we bring in now uh, from uh, KSL and Desert News, uh, John Daly. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem, Tom. Let me uh, continue this discussion on the 4th Congressional District race and turn to uh, uh, Professor Can. Uh, you're quoted in Robert Gerke's article uh, today in the Tribune as, as saying that uh, you feel that uh, Jim Matheson had a, a really good ground game, very good organization, and that helped him. Absolutely. Uh, uh, others, uh, uh, both uh, Quinn and, and Robert, have talked about uh, the early voting efforts that were made uh, on uh, by the Democratic Party. Uh, on on Matheson's behalf, uh, going out to try to get folks in, and uh, if you can get folks to get out there and vote early, then you know it's a vote that's already in the bucket, and and that has a, a tremendous advantage. 
Uh, Matheson also enjoyed a very high level of name recognition uh, going into this race, uh, and they made sure that they got out there, they got out the phone calls, uh, and, and, uh, and they, they knocked on doors, and they made those contacts. And there's just no substitute in politics for that uh, old-fashioned retail door-to-door work uh, that the Matheson campaign and that they did, and that they did particularly well. If you just joined us, we are, of course, recapping the election. It's the morning after, and uh, we'll have a break here for a little while. The good people of Iowa probably will be seeing presidential candidates uh, in January uh, for 2016. Uh, I'm exaggerating only slightly, but uh, the people have spoken in the meantime, and uh, we'll probably get a little bit of a break here in Utah. But uh, now we're turning to you individually. I'd love to hear from you uh, why did you vote the way you did? If you'd like to reveal that, what was the issue most on your mind? And uh, what is the issue going forward for you? Uh, did you run for office or work for a candidate? Tell us about that experience. And do you feel more or less hopeful, optimistic, or less optimistic in your personal life because of the way the election went, either nationally or on the statewide level? Uh, and what would you like to tell your elected officials today, the morning after? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. The number 1-800-826-1495. Let's turn back to Salt Lake Tribune reporter Robert Gerke. Uh, this, I believe, or this fourth congressional race set some records for money. This is an incredible amount of money pouring in. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you were reporting on this. Uh, what do you? What was the effect of this? Do you think? Well, and, and it's interesting because both sides spent about five million dollars a piece, a little over that. Um, you know, it was kind of ad spending that we haven't seen before in in this state in it for a congressional race. Um, and and when I was talking to Damon earlier this week, you know, he made a point that you kind of reach a saturation point where the TV ads maybe stop having the same sort of impact that they might otherwise have. And and then that's when the ground game and the personal contacts become really important. Um, I think there's not much question that the ground game, you know, proved to be a, a pretty decisive factor in this. It's, it, you know, it, it, but it is also something else we haven't seen before in that, um a lot of the money, a lot of that $10 million that was spent, was spent by third-party outside groups that were supporting each candidate. And the result of that, I think, is that a lot of the TV ads that we saw, that I would say the bulk of the TV ads that we saw were sort of what might be considered negative ads. I don't like using the term attack ads, but they were, you know, they were um, pointed uh, criticisms of the, of, of the opposing candidate's record. And, and so... Um, I, I think that from a lot of voters I, I talked to, that that was frustrating to them, and, and they they didn't like that. But at the same time, they've proven to be effective in the past, and so I, I think that I, I don't think we've seen the last of them. We do have a caller. Uh, I'll ask you, Robert, to, to uh, be patient. One more question to uh, John Daly. Um, from uh, KSL and, and Deseret News. I want to uh, get your perspective. We asked Quinn Monson this earlier. Uh, it, it, are you feeling among and talking to people uh, sort of a, a Romney letdown? Uh, or is there disappointment among the people you talk to in Utah? Uh, yeah, I think that was clear from the the uh, feel at the Republican Party event last night. I, I, I wasn't there, but I was following it on television. I was at the Democrats, and I, I think the mood in, in those two rooms could not have been more different. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Republicans went into the night hoping, uh, wishing that uh, Mitt Romney was going to prevail, and, and certainly in, in, for the Republicans, uh, politicians locally, a lot of them know him personally or have known him for, for a while. Uh, so there, the, the anticipation and the, the uh, excitement level was, was extremely high for them, and, and their balloon was popped. And for Democrats, it was the exact opposite. They were totally apprehensive. They feared uh, that it was going to be a rough night nationally. They feared that it, that it might be a rough night locally, that they could lose these two high-profile races that they really cared about, the McAdams and the Matheson race. Uh, and they ended up uh, cheering all night long uh, where the Democrats were. So, yeah, I think there's a, 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 a discernible a very strong feeling of, of letdown for for Republicans. Um, and, in fact, I, I emailed one of uh, uh, Romney's top supporters uh, this morning, Kirk Jowers, who uh, also is the executive director of the Hinckley Institute up at the U, and, and, and asked him, did, did anybody 
see this coming in the in the Romney camp? And he said, no. He said, we, we thought uh, Ohio was going to be close, but, but nobody nobody saw, uh, you know, what materialized. Hmm. Let's turn to uh, Robert in St. George. Robert, uh, glad you called. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hey, I just uh, I had kind of an interesting reaction when I got to the um, to the voting poll. I, I I've never done this before, but uh, I got to the um, presidential election and and I knew pretty much what my decision. Was. I do have a strong opinion on that, and um, and uh, but knowing that the uh, race in Utah was kind of a foregone conclusion um, for that race, I I made a I I, I found myself deciding not to vote for the presidential election as a tiny statement. I didn't think I'd be calling it a radio statement. I didn't think anybody would know about this, but <laughs> I think I have a I ha- I wanted to make a statement inside myself about the um the more important a race is really for my community and then for for how much it's really going to impact my family, the the lower profile it is. So many people in our community are aware of the high profile, you know, federal and 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 the presidential race, but when you ask them who's your school board member, who's your, uh, you know, your, your county and your and your state and local, we don't even know those names. And um, the the press pours so much. We we spend so much time talking and, and hyping up these big races that really, when I think about it, will have the least impact on my kids' education, the community my kids grow up in. Um, so I just I just found myself making that statement. I'm wondering if anybody else had that same reaction of just being overwhelmed with this big high profile presidential race and and even the you know the uh congressional ones in US Congress and paying very little attention to the local races that maybe make more difference in how we live and 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 the quality of our lives. Well, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put that out there and let's see if any of our other listeners did that. So your your non-vote in the presidential race was a statement. Or the statement, yeah. yeah. Just wanted to put that out there for anybody to think about, or see if there's any anybody else who had that same kind of reaction to the to the hype of, of where where our president, where our po- political process is going, where we pay less and less attention, we get more and more sound bites, we get uh, you know these images that are created at the national level of people we really don't know, whereas the the people that we're closer to, the people that are in our community, the the local politics are getting less and less attention. Well, thanks so. for calling, Robert. Very um, very interesting. Thank you. Uh, Robert called from St. George. Uh, you can call as well. We'd love to have your reaction to the election and specifically uh, how you voted, why you voted, what was the issue that drove you, what uh, are you focused on going forward in terms of issues, uh, especially if you ran for office. We'd love to hear your story or worked for a candidate. Uh, did that make you more or less engaged in the process, more or less hopeful about the process? And, and your personal situation, do you feel more or less optimistic because of uh, how things came out? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Are there changes in the system that you would like to make? A little later on, we're going to talk about our caucus and convention system, for example. Uh, before we go to our next caller, I want to uh, bring in um, Professor Can here. Uh, does that resonate with uh, some of the studies that, that you've seen? I, I think that's what political scientists preach sometimes is the local races are the ones that have the most effect on your lives. Of course, this is a message I always try to get through to my students. Uh, you know, uh, people get very excited and, and, and we see turnout surge in presidential elections, oftentimes 10 percent higher than in midterm elections where we're only voting for uh, members of Congress, sometimes a senator, sometimes a governor. Uh, and and other down ballot races, uh, but in terms of what happens in your day to day life, uh, it's it's the uh, it's the local elections that make the biggest difference. Uh, your your city officials, your county officials, uh, and the state legislature uh, that have the biggest effect on what your life looks like. Uh, think of it when you interact with the government. Uh, nine times out of ten, uh, maybe ninety nine times out of a hundred, the level of government that you interact with is typically a city, county, or state government rather than interacting with the federal government. And, uh, and, and uh, sometimes it's sad to see the level of roll-off as we go down the ballot. Uh, people vote for president and then skip uh, some of these local races because they, don't, uh, they haven't paid as much attention to what's going on there. It's interesting to think about implications, possible implications, if everyone, for for example, in Utah did what Robert did, you know, a no vote on the presidential uh, race as a statement. Um, not something we're, we're advocating for or against, but uh, interesting what Robert did there. Let's uh, bring in uh, our next caller, Kathleen in Springdale. Kathleen, glad you called. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Um, 
I voted for another aspect of community um, that for some reason gets overlooked, and that is the health care issue. Um, so my vote went to President Obama, but basically I was voting for the uh, Obamacare. There are a number of people that I know personally in my community who cannot switch policies, who have long-term, uh, very severe physical problems that they're stuck with. They can't do things. There are other people I know who um, have pre-existing conditions, who have children uh, under the age of 26. There are so many people who, if they understood the preventative uh, mandate in, you know, the preventative services mandate in the Health Care Act, um, the opportunity for your children to be covered for uh, catastrophic, no catastrophic caps, uh, would probably have voted for uh, President Obama in Utah. But somehow or another, these basic needs have been overlooked. So that's one of the reasons that I voted uh, Democratic. Uh, the other reason is that um, I was really happy to see Tammy Baldwin and Elizabeth Warren in particular win. Elizabeth Warren was hunted down by the Republicans, and she was a consumer advocate. Like, what's so wrong in the Republican Party for advocating for consumers, the people's needs? So I feel really happy that she found another venue in which she could move forward. I'm looking forward to a presidential race in 2016 that is Hillary, Michelle, and Elizabeth or some variation on the women who are caring and working hard for our country and bringing people together and not demonizing people. I think that the uh, Tea Party just forgot about the rest of us. You know, I don't know, you know, money is an issue, the deficit is an issue, but, you know, our everyday lives where our children go to school, where we can get health care, um, you know, that's what affects me and my community, and so that's why I voted for the Democrats. Well, uh, thank you, Kathleen. Appreciate your uh, comments. Okay, great. We're throwing it out to you as well. It's the day after, and uh, the people have spoken. Uh, is Do you think that's uh, how they spoke is good or bad for your situation? What is the issue you voted on? What drove you to the polls? Are you uh, remaining uh, focused on that issue? Do you feel more or less hopeful about your personal situation uh, because of how the vote came out, either nationally or in the statewide races yesterday? would love to hear uh, from you if you ran for office or worked for a candidate. Do, or do you feel more or less hopeful about the system? Let's uh, get some final comments from our, our first panel here and uh, maybe start with uh, John Daly from KSL and Deseret News. I'm wondering, uh, from your reporting uh, through this, uh, are there uh, two or three issues that really stood out? Uh, it, it, could you, if you had to, had to guess and speak for the electorate, were there a couple of issues that, uh, that they were really focused on? You know, I really think uh, the electorate, in a lot of ways, seems pretty uh, pretty fragmented, you know. So I think for certain people, certain issues really resonated. Obviously, for the caller we just heard from, she was really concerned about health care and, and women's issues. Uh, I think, obviously, with the, nationally, the increase in the, the numbers for Hispanic voters and, and a lot of those voters voting for the president, uh, you know, I think immigration is such a, a, a key issue for them. So many people were concerned about the economy, but I think ultimately, and apparently, a you know, majority, or, and certainly in the swing states, uh, enough people believe that the economy was on a good enough track that they could, uh, you know, vote for the incumbent. So, uh, I, I guess my view is that, that a lot of those views are are really kind of all over the map, depending on on you know everyone's own personal situation. Uh, and uh, Robert Gerke, uh, similar question. The, the issues at the tops of the, the voters' minds, uh, were there surprises there for you? Uh, well, I think I, I think the point John made is, is a good one. I think everybody kind of agreed the economy was the, big, the, the most important issue to them, but it may not have been the issue that actually drove votes. Um, what we saw, I think, in this election a lot was, was especially from the Obama campaign, was targeting certain issues that I think were important to voters. So you saw in Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan the auto bailout just being the, the main driving issue there. Locally, I think I think the point that Robert made was, was an excellent one, that I think the local issues kind of drove a lot of voters in the 4th District race and in the Salt Lake County Mayor's race and in the Governor's race. The issues were, were largely education and, and jobs. 
um, and and who can who could perform best on that. Um, I think issues maybe that uh, you know some of the Republican candidates were pushing for for you know cutting spending and controlling the debt maybe didn't drive voters as much as as those sort of lunch bucket issues. Um, and so I, I think, uh, and, and I think your your second caller there who talked about healthcare being a, a major issue. I mean, we saw a stark contrast between the presidential candidates and on on down the ballot on on this particular issue. Um, I'm not sure how much it drove voters necessarily, uh, but uh, but I think it you know in, in her case certainly it did, and I and I think you saw that sort of as John called it the fragmentation. I think of the issues that sort of everybody had. Uh, something maybe that pushed them a little bit, a little bit harder uh, than 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 uh, another issue might. I turn to Damon Can. Uh, I want to ask you a slightly different question. I know you're engaged with students. You you, <laughs> you talk to young voters, hopefully voters, <laughs> all the time. Uh, in fact, you had an event uh, last night on the USU campus um, with some uh, Cash Valley candidates. Uh, what are you seeing there? Of course, you're you're. You're interacting with already motivated students. They're, they've chosen political science, but uh, do you get a feel for the for the young voter? Well, uh, uh, you know, we had a really interesting event uh, last night inviting students from all over the campus. We'd had uh, several of the classes at, on the Utah State University campus that were involved in a competition where each class made a forecast of the Electoral College and uh, and there a little competition between the classes to see who could uh, generate the best forecast. And I think we may have to wait to see how Florida falls out. Uh, of course, that's not decisive in the election, but, but for the students in terms yeah. of which class did the better job of making the call, uh, Florida could wind up being decisive for us. Uh, but some of these classes were, were general uh, education classes where we had a wide variety of students who were paying attention to uh, a, an election for the first time. And it was a lot of fun to really watch them engage with it. Uh, uh, you know, Obama did well among young people. Uh, he he won uh, the 18 to 29 year old age group with about 60 percent of the vote, according to uh, some of the exit polls that have come out. Uh, and it, you know it wasn't the same kind of wave uh, that he enjoyed, uh, not not to the same level, but he still clearly enjoyed the support uh, of young people, um, uh, if not quite to the same degree as he did four years ago. Uh, but but you know elections, uh, having elections that are close. Uh, and having elections that where young people feel like they have some sort of a say, I think is very good for the future of the American democracy because if the young people don't feel like they have uh, something to contribute to what's going on in the election, if they don't feel like they have a role, uh, then, then they don't develop the habit uh, of, of, of voting. They don't learn how to practice civic skills and, uh, and, and become more disengaged from the political system. Mm. And I suppose it's good to, to get the young people in on a, a big uh, presidential election. We'll see if it, it takes the next bond election, you know, but that, well, that remains to be seen. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Damon Kahn, assistant professor of, of political science at USU, has uh, been with us in this part of the program. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Salt, Lake Tribune, Rob, uh, Salt Lake Tribune reporter Robert Gerke, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. And uh, we earlier we had BYU professor Quinn Monson, and we've had uh, John Daly from the KSL and, uh, and Desert News. Thanks so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. After a brief break, we're going to bring in our uh, Southern Utah correspondent for UPR, uh, Chris Holmes. Later in this hour, we'll get uh, comments from uh, Desert News columnists uh, Frank Vignanelli and LeVar Webb. Uh, that's all coming up following the break. Utah Public Radio has a network of news correspondents that covers the state and the issues that matter to Utah. I'm Jennifer Pemberton, online news editor for UPR.org, and I love bringing our news stories to life on the web with pictures and video, in addition to familiar voices and engaging print. From the national parks of southern Utah to the streets of downtown Salt Lake, we cover all the great outdoors and the communities in between with all the technology available to us. That's what makes UPR your favorite public radio station for engaging all your senses in the stories of Utah. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll head down under for music from Australia and New Zealand. Do you come from a land down under? Women glow and men plunder. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howard. 
Join us for the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday night at 10 here on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's the morning after. The people have spoken on national and statewide races, your local races, judicial retention, and uh, school boards. Uh, it was a big election, and of course, being a presidential year, uh, I think we're all a bit weary. Although, as I mentioned before, uh, I'm only exaggerating slightly when I theorize that we'll have presidential candidates in Iowa in January. Uh, now we're turning to you uh, to, to take your pulse. Uh, would love you to, uh, if you were willing to, reveal how you voted, why you voted for a particular candidate, what issue drove you to the polls, and are you focused on that issue going forward? Do you think you made progress with that issue, uh, given how the vote came out? Uh, your personal situation, your personal life, uh, do you feel more or less hopeful about the way the uh, country is going, or the state, or your community, uh, given how the vote uh, came out? Uh, if you ran for office or worked for a candidate, we'd love you to tell us about that as well. Did that make you more or less hopeful about our system? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. So far from our listeners, uh, we had one listener who said that she voted on health care. She wanted to preserve Obamacare. That's why she voted for the president. Also, women's issues. Uh, Robert uh, told us he did not cast a vote for president. He wanted to emphasize that uh, it's the down-ballot uh, candidates who have the biggest effect on our lives. The number 1-800-826-1495. Right now we bring in Chris Holmes, uh, UPR Southern Utah correspondent. Uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. And we bring in Kirk Jowers, director of the University of Utah Hinckley Institute of Politics. Uh, Professor Jowers, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Uh, so let me tar- talk to you. Uh, let me uh, start with you, uh, Professor Jowers. Uh, it, uh, I know you were, uh, I think you were at Romney headquarters. Yep. Still, and, and still, still, still in Boston. Boston. It, so, was, uh, it was a rough night. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be disappointing. Uh, I, were you surprised? Uh, I think I was surprised by how how fast the election was called. Yeah, bitter, uh, bitterly surprised. Uh, it, was, uh, it was disappointing. Uh, certainly we knew... Ohio was was really a tough obstacle for uh, for Romney for whatever reason, um, but but certainly felt like we would have picked up some of the other ones like Florida, which they still haven't called, and uh, Virginia was was very disappointing. Colorado, um, those uh, just didn't go the way we thought they would. So obviously a mood of disappointment there. Did you have you had a chance to talk to the governor? No, not since uh, not since uh, his concession speech. So, so what what you were able to to get was the the mood there and his concession speech. What what did you think about that? The speech. Uh, classy as as always. That's the the hardest speech in the world to give. Obviously, when you know he's been putting in twenty hour days and really believes. Uh, you know, I, I I just know personally that he ran for all the right reasons and and really felt, and I, and I'm sure most of your listeners there in Utah, based on the vote in Utah, felt that, that he was the right man to uh, to take the reins in, in the United States. So it's just disappointing and, and heartbreaking on a lot of levels. Well, it's 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 tough, I know, in, in, a, in a loss like that. Do you, I wonder if I get you to do the glass half full here, were there positives that uh, that came out of this? Yes, I, you know, I'm a big believer in elections and, and people having a choice and having to hear the different visions. Um, and people really did, I think, understand his vision. The the final exit polls will be interesting, but um, he always seemed to win on the big three issues, the three most important issues, the economy, jobs, deficit reduction. Uh, and where he and I think Republicans seem to trip based on some of the things, the results I'm seeing right now is uh, that Republicans didn't seem as inclusive on, on certain issues. Um, they seemed maybe a little, a little harsher or more mean-spirited on immigration uh, and certainly not understanding of, of certain women issues. And I think in the end that that may have done him in. And when you look at the 
the Senate races around the country, that was supposed to be an absolute slam dunk for Republicans. Uh, on August 19th, Nate Silver, New York Times, left-leaning, uh, he had Republicans with a 62% likelihood of taking majority control of the Senate. We saw how that turned out. So hopefully it, it leads to some introspection for Republicans and, and a new path forward. For, from the perspective of uh, many in Utah, uh, the, the Mormons in Utah, so I'm talking Mormons across the nation, um, it's kind of a nervous uh, moment for them. Um, it, uh, how do you think that worked out from the perspective of the uh, from the LDS Church, LDS Church members? I think the LDS Church has been, you know, advanced a few decades potentially because of the, the nationwide and worldwide interest in in Mormonism. That will be a curiosity that will, you know, hopefully lead to more tolerance. And and for members of the church, I'm sure they're hoping that that uh, curiosity and tolerance then leads to. Uh, uh, the people who embrace uh, you know, the values and, and gospel of, of their church. So uh, I think that was just a huge net positive um, uh, for Romney's faith. And you know, who knows? As, as president, you <laughs> it's easy to make a lot of enemies, even if you're trying to do the right thing both here and abroad. And so maybe for the LDS Church, they're there is that silver lining that they got all of the good and don't have to uh, deal with the bad just yet. <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, being on with us. We'll, we'll, we'll let you go here. I, I know it's uh, tough coming on, so uh, especially after a loss like that. We, we appreciate it. Okay, thanks for the call. Yeah, okay, thanks. Uh, Chris Holmes uh, stays with us, uh, Southern Utah correspondent. Uh, I'm not uh, picking up uh, before we go to some issues, and uh, maybe you've talked to a few voters. Chris, uh, have you talked to anybody, Romney supporters, uh, a letdown from the people you've talked to? Oh, yeah, uh, the mood generally one of disappointment among a predominantly Republican and predominantly LDS population here in southwest Utah. Uh, the demographic was reflected in the results in the presidential, gubernatorial, U.S. Senate, U.S. House races, strongly Republican, even more so than you would find along the Wasatch Front, about 10, 12 points higher here in uh, what might be termed uh, rural Utah. Uh, and generally, what, uh, as you discern it, what issues were, were driving people in southern Utah? Well, it was... Uh, ideological, uh, having to do with, uh, you know, less government, uh, Tea Party very strong here in this part of the state, uh, the usual arguments uh, about uh, less taxes, less government, and uh, uh, what direction the country ought to go in terms of government involvement in people's lives. Right now we're talking with UPR uh, Southern Tech correspondent Chris Holmes, and uh, we're recapping the election the morning after, asking you, love to hear from you, uh, which issue uh, were you focused on going into the election? How did that turn out for you? A uh, particular candidate you'd like to tell us that you voted for uh, and uh, why you voted the way you did? Did you run for office or work for a candidate? We'd love to hear about your participation in the process, and did that make you feel more hopeful or less hopeful about the our democratic process? And generally, do you feel more or less hopeful in your personal life and situation because of how the vote uh, came out? The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, uh, toll-free anywhere you're listening. Uh, Chris, um, I'm interested in your take on uh, the results in the 2nd Congressional District uh, between uh, the uh, Republican Chris Stewart and uh, Democrat uh, Jace Segmiller. It came out about how you thought it would come out? It did. Uh, in fact, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, with a, a predominant uh, a Republican uh, population, uh, as expected, uh, Chris Stewart garnered about 78 percent of the vote here in Iron County, about the same amount in Washington County as well. Of course, we had the debate down here a couple of weeks ago with all five candidates, and uh, not surprisingly, Chris Stewart came out uh, on top. And, uh, of course, Chris Stewart was a somewhat of a surprise nominee. Uh, did you get any feedback from people that they were voting for the person they wanted to vote for, or did they, did they want another Republican, perhaps, to, to vote for? Well, of course, uh, it, it's a phenomenon that, that uh, was the case uh, throughout many of the races here in southwest Utah, where uh, the real story was in the Republican primary back in June. Uh, there are many Republican candidates uh, who were running unopposed, in the general election, the real drama 
was back in the uh, primary, and certainly if you wanted to find drama, uh, look at that uh, second congressional uh, primary election back in June, and, and that was high drama. Many people uh, wanting to see uh, a southern Utah native uh, 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 as uh, the candidate, uh, but it was Chris Stewart that came out on top. Uh, and uh, speaking of that, uh, do you, do you uh, of course, this is uh, pretty soon after the election to maybe have any comments on this, but leading up to it, uh, do you have any people you've talked to that want to change the, the caucus and convention system? No. In fact, uh, quite the opposite is the case. Uh, people uh, very much favor the caucus uh, system uh, because uh, it, it allows uh, people to participate on, on a very uh, grassroots level. And uh, even with the controversy at the uh, Republican convention uh, and uh, involving Chris Stewart, uh, I, I found widespread support for the caucus system. Let's go to our next caller, uh, Paige in St. George. Uh, Paige, glad you called. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just calling. I just wanted to say that um, for me personally, when it came to the presidential election, uh, I tend to be more conservative. And to me, the Republican Party on a national level reflects very little conservative conservatism these days. And so whether Obama or Romney got in, it seemed about the same. Um, and in Congress, even most of the national elections, I feel like for me, I had trouble uh, finding conservative uh, candidates because the Republican Party, I feel like, has lost a lot of their conservatism in an effort to me, conservatism reflects freedom, and um, the opposite of that would be safety. And I feel that um, both Republicans and Democrats, on the national level anyway, um, people seem to just be wanting more safety and a safety net from the government and things like that, rather than real freedom. And so, so that's did, my thoughts. So did you find uh, a candidate on the ballot you, you felt you could vote for? Um, not... I was surprised as I started, you know, as I really researched all my candidates down to the very local level. The very local level, I felt okay voting Republican, but basically all my national people, I um, I didn't vote Republican or Democrat. I just couldn't find one that there was really, that I felt like would move the country forward in any different way than it currently is moving forward. I guess it all felt status quo. Mm. So none of the third-party candidates uh, satisfied you? Yeah, no, I voted almost all third-party. Oh, you did vote third-party. Okay, yes. gotcha. So you, you did yes. feel that you had because that opportunity. I, did, I okay. didn't feel like the Republican Party, especially on a national level, is moving forward conservatism very right. much. Well, uh, thank you very much, Paige. Appreciate your call. Okay. Thank you. We're uh, taking the pulse of uh, our listeners uh, the morning after. Uh, did you uh, feel the election went the way you uh, wanted it to? Uh, tell us about the candidate you voted for and why. What issue was on your mind, and uh, is that issue uh, paramount going forward? And in your personal life, do you feel like uh, you're better or worse off, uh, feel more or less hopeful because of the way the election came out? Are there changes in system that you would like to, to make? Those uh, questions that we're all putting out to you have about uh, five minutes left, 1-800-826-1495. We bring in uh, Desert News columnist LeVar Webb now. Mr. Webb, thanks for joining us. Hello, glad to be here. Uh, uh, j just your general reaction, were there were there uh, su surprises jumped out to you from the Utah races? Well, yes. Uh, the Romney tsunami did not uh, happen in Utah, and it ended up being a status quo election. We ended up right where we started. The Republicans made a few gains in the legislature, but... Uh, Democrats held on to Salt Lake County and uh, the 4th Congressional District, so we ended up right where we started. Uh, and, uh, Mr. Webb, um, yeah, I, I think there's probably some disappointment, some uh, feeling of letdown in Utah. Uh, perhaps you share that with what happened in the national election. Yes, there are a lot of very depressed Republicans, I think, this morning who wanted to see Obama win, excuse me, wanted to see Romney win, uh, particularly here in Utah, where he is uh, an adopted favorite son. So that was the disappointment. I do think it uh, came down to the Romney campaign running a better campaign. The popular vote was very close, but uh, the Electoral College 
went uh, for Obama in a big way. So there is a lot of disappointment here. Let's go to our next caller, Jim in uh, Wayne County. Jim, glad you called. Go ahead. Yes, I'd just like to remind everybody what an uh, undaunting task was laid out before President Obama the first time around and how it seemed like it was going to be impossible to get everything taken care of that needed. And I'm just thankful that the American public realized that he had made some great strides in the right direction. And with four more years and maybe a little bit of cooperation from the other side of the aisle, he may be able to get some of the things done that need to be done. Are you, are you hopeful, Jim, that uh, there will be some working together, some bipartisanship? Oh, I sure hope so. I mean, I think that, you know, race and other things had to do with the, the blockades that were put in front of him, and I hope that that can be put behind in the partisan bickering and get on with the nation's work. Those of us that work to pay the wages of the public officials, if we don't produce, we don't stay working. So I hope that they take seriously what jobs they have and start doing the people's work. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jim. Glad you called. Thank you. Let's fit in uh, one more call here. Uh, Jay and Price. We'll have to be quick. We're running out of time. Glad you called, uh, Jay. Go ahead. How are we doing? Uh, doing great. What, what's, uh, how did you vote? I uh, actually didn't vote for a president. I actually kind of just for the heck of it ran on my own uh, as an independent type thing because I feel that the country's gone to where it's, uh, the rich are running us and it, it, they just lose, uh, you know, what, what we're about as a country anymore. And it just seems like we're degrading and I don't know how the country's going to pull out of the hole it's in, unfortunately. Mm. Well, I appreciate your, uh, your comment, Jay. Glad you called. Thank you. Uh, let's get a, a final comment from LeVar Webb. Um, did, did, did your prediction on are there issues on a national level that maybe will get addressed given how the election came out? I think it's going to be difficult for the sides to get together. Uh, I We have another election in just two years, and everyone will be looking toward that. It will really depend on on President Obama and how he decides to govern and on the uh, Republican House. Uh, John Boehner, the, the uh, and, and I do think if they, if they both would agree to truly compromise, that we could address some of the big issues that uh, the country faces. But if President Obama wants to move forward with bigger government and does not realistically address the deficit and uh, the entitlement programs and so forth, then I don't think the Republicans will simply rubber stamp what he wants to do. Well, we'll have to uh, leave it there. Just one more uh, very quick question, uh, Chris Holmes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Turnout high there in southern Utah like it was the rest of the state? Quite high in southern Utah, yes, uh, much higher than uh, in the past uh, two presidential elections, uh, in excess of 75%. Yeah, that's a hopeful sign there. Uh, LeVar Webb and Chris Holmes, thanks so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And thanks for everyone who called in. Appreciate your comments. We recap the election. If you uh, would like to continue commenting, go to our website, upr.org. Thanks for listening. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan. Thank you.